You are listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at InFocus Church. We hope this message encourages you and leaves you feeling challenged to see God's kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Hebrews 13.2 says, be sure to welcome the stranger into your home. You good with that? Be sure to welcome the stranger into your home. When I say the word stranger, it elicits somewhat of an uneasy response, I think. That's why I started by reading that passage of Scripture. Because in our cultural context, particularly in the 1980s when I was growing up, uh, we brought this phrase into popularity, or at least the knowledge of the culture, stranger danger. And it was in response a little bit to a moral panic that was taking place at the time because of missing children, or at least that was what was being said and talked a lot about in the news, and whether or not there was an actual uptick in missing children or not, in our attempts to be vigilant and safe, I think we instead instilled fear and panic into an entire generation when it came to interacting with people that they weren't familiar with or didn't know. There is a fine line between prudence and panic. And in our culture, I don't think we often find it. As I said in the first week, as we're talking about culture, we usually have a a love relationship with it where we love something too much or we hate it completely. Like we don't do nuance as humans very well. And when it comes to culture, we either embrace it too much or we despise it and demonize it too much. Maybe this talk of paranoia and stranger danger was our first foray into social distancing long before there was any kind of virus that would cause us to do so, but maybe because there was a dismantling of our understanding of how to relate and connect with people that we didn't know, something that is absolutely necessary to our lives. It's it's not like we've gotten more warm and more welcoming as a society over the decades. It's not like that was like, well, that was the 80s. We're a lot more hospitable these days. Today, we're super adept at avoiding people, not even strangers, like people that we know. We've got our AirPods in, we've got our heads down, we've got our hoodies up, we look down at our mobile devices, we don't ever bring our eyes up to see what's going on around us to the point where we might bump into people and then get angry because we weren't paying attention and neither were they, and we're really good at ignoring anybody and everybody around us, and it has nothing to do with fear or cautiousness. We just avoid contact with people we don't know. There's even a bit of sometimes societal generational gaps at times where maybe there's an older generation that has no problem talking to people in public or you're sitting at the doctor's office and they're just talking and I'm like, I don't want to talk right now. I don't know you. I was at the post office recently and somebody behind me that was a little bit further ahead in life and then there was another person right behind me who was a lot younger than me and, and, and these 
this older lady started interacting with this younger lady just out of the blue. It's like we're just standing in line. We don't know each other. We're total strangers. And she just says, man, you've got some long legs. I'm just like, oh, thank you. I wish I had legs like that. All right. I had legs like that in my previous life. Okay. And then there's somebody behind them speaking in a foreign language. Like, you know, we don't understand, but it's, it's their language. They're too, we all want to know what language it is you're speaking. No, we don't. No, we don't. I don't. And it's like, I, in that moment, I was like, I wish I had my AirPods and I wish I had a hoodie on. And it's like, well, I would just dive into my isolation, isolationism at that point. And it's just like, we don't understand what it's like to, to interact with people socially. It's either we're really bad at it or we just ignore it altogether. But I come back to the verse that I started with, Hebrews 13:2. Be sure to welcome strangers into your home. Now, contextually speaking, home means home, stranger means stranger. There's no Greek or Hebrew that I can tell you that means something different. Well, home actually means like some other place. No, it's, it's your home. And the NIV says, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. Now, we'll say in the cultural context, in this particular passage of Scripture, the believers were being encouraged to make sure that they helped out other believers who needed a place to stay, who needed a meal, who under persecution because of the gospel needed a safe place to be in supporting the spreading of the gospel. The word hospitality literally means love for a stranger. That's what it means. And this was being exhibited by sharing your stuff, your food, and your home with the stranger. And without that expression of hospitality, particularly in this context, Jesus told his disciples, look, just go and there's going to be hospitality. There's basically people. Without this hospitality going on, the spread of the gospel would have been affected. The apostle Paul benefited from this. The disciples benefited from this. The gospel would not have been able to spread as rapidly as it did without this gift, without this hospitality being given to strangers. But when you take into account the whole of Scripture... We understand that the open-armed welcome to any who feel unsafe, to any who feel uncared for, to any who are spiritually homeless is the heart of God, then and now. So what I want to clarify immediately is the difference between biblical hospitality and what we think of when we hear the word hospitality. I avoid even using the word gift because that's going to cause some of you to go, well, I ain't got that gift. I'm sorry. The Bible tells us all to exhibit hospitality. It's not a gift of baking, which is what we kind of go straight to in our minds. It's not something that's going to get you on the magazine cover of the Columbia County Magazine. Having traveled a good bit, regionally, it's like our birthright. It's what we uh, attach to, southern hospitality. And myself, having been a lot of different places in the world, I don't know necessarily how true that is. I would say that the Filipinos are some of the most uh, hospitable and nicest people on the planet. If you're Filipino in here, you could say amen to that. Okay, there you go. See, we tend to think of hospitality as opening up our homes to our friends as we entertain them surrounding some sort of sporting event or holiday. 
However, in God's view, it's being willing and even pursuing the opening up of our lives to those who are in need that we may or may not know, who may or may not be a part of God's family yet. And like everything in the Christian life, say, well, I'm not sure how we do this. Like everything in the Christian life, we do this by faith. By putting our faith and trust in God to lead and direct us for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of the stranger that may become a friend and a part of our spiritual family. Let's define it this way. Hospitality is a willingness to open our hearts, hands, and homes for the sake of the gospel. Hearts, hands, and homes for the sake of the gospel. We're in week two of our series, The Church and Culture. And I hope that you are enjoying the cultural influences that we are using with the thematic decor out there. We're adding to it each week, just kind of giving you a little bit of an idea of how we are influenced and how culture surrounds us all the time, whether it's social media we had in week one or kind of the movie side and Master Yoda's out there. Cute he is. Um, Sorry. But the reality is, is we just want to understand how we can interact with culture in a way that is redemptive and transformative. Last week, one of our church members took this whole church and culture thing to a new level and, uh, and, and made a picture of me in response to my Hulk smash stuff that I was doing last week. I'll show you this picture. It looks really good. Like, they should have cast me as the Hulk. There's no doubt. I like the beard under there. That's cool. Actually, that's how I see myself when I go to the gym. When I look in the mirror at the gym, that's what I see. may not be what you see. That's what I see. Okay, you can take that down. The goal is to help us be a church that is committed to seeing the culture around us transformed. Contrary to the message that we often hear, we're not trying to be culture warriors. We're trying to be culture transformers. No matter when or where you were born, you're a part of culture. Like it's not something you can get away from. It's not something that you could just do away with any more than you could do away with being a human being on this planet. As soon as you were born, you were thrust into the culture that you were raised in, living in, and, and are surrounded by every single day. And no matter when or where you were born, you're a part of culture. So we're not going to be afraid of it, and, and we're not going to curse it. But what we can do is we can interact with it, and we can engage with culture, we can learn from culture, we can leverage culture, and even enjoy the good things that God has given us in order to glorify Him with our lives. And how? First, by knowing what we talked about last week, and that that is we have been what? Set apart, not to stay away from the world, but to be sent into the world. We have been prayed for and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Jesus prayed for us in John 17. God, I am sending them into the world. So would you protect them from the evil one? They're not of the world, just like I'm not of this world, Jesus prayed, but I am sending them into the world. We've been sent into the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit for the sake of the gospel. So we're not sent into the world to be culture destroyers. We're sent into the world to be culture transformers. So today I want to look at 
hospitality. Last week, we looked at biblical joy. What we're doing is we're doing a little bit of comparison and contrast, if you will, just things that we understand in culture and that we try to counterfeit in culture and that we try to utilize in culture that's maybe negative, but there is a positive side in the kingdom of God that we are to be exporting. And this, as we said last week, was biblical joy versus some type of shallow, uh, circumstantial-based happiness where biblical joy is always abiding. It's always there. Even in the dance of life, of sorrow and pain, there is still biblical joy because of our hope in Christ. And today I want to talk about how to be the most hospitable people on the planet because as Christians, that's what we should be. How do we reflect the nature of our Heavenly Father? How do we open up our arms to those who are spiritually homeless and even those who have a spiritual home in Christ but need our help? How do we transform a fear-filled, suspicious, cynical, prejudiced, not to mention lonely culture into a thriving spiritual family? Think about that. We are fear-filled, we're suspicious, we're cynical, we're prejudiced, we're lonely, and maybe even on the opposite end of the spectrum, we're naive. And yet we're supposed to be a thriving, unified, safe, loving family of God. Speaking of loneliness, I was reading this week, according to one healthcare provider, I believe it was Cigna, loneliness is as detrimental to your health, your mortality rate is like being a 15 cigarette smoker a day. And here's the deal, 61% of Americans, three in five, if you will, report feeling lonely. Report feeling loneliness. And this isn't a shock, honestly, when we spend the majority of our time on our social media apps that tell us we have thousands of friends that we don't even know because they're complete strangers. So we've gone from stranger danger to stranger BFF. Like, I don't know them. They don't know me. We've never interacted outside of this world And yet we've made our lives accessible and our thoughts accessible to total strangers. But these friends are like cotton candy. I mean, I like cotton candy, but that junk just disappears in your mouth and you're as hungry as you were before you started eating it. And here's the deal, when it comes to this type of friendship, this, this world that we've created, it's a confectionate connection marked by heart emojis that leaves us feeling as empty as we did when we first started it. It's, it's an emptiness that hits us as soon after the dopamine hit is gone. They also don't provide the necessary human connection that God created us to have. We have a communal faith. We are created for community. That's what Christianity is all about. Within that community, we are created for intimacy and honesty and transparency, not to mention physical interaction. Unfortunately, our culture works 24-7 to counterfeit these things that can only be found in Christ And his culture, if you will, called the church. Why? Because sin entered the world and fractured our relationships, causing us to be suspicious at best and hate each other at our worst. And actually, 
We have extremes again on both sides, as I said, because we are an extreme people and either we're naive and we think the shallowness of our social media world is going to replace the hard work of physical interaction with real people or we're paranoid with conspiracy theories that keep us from engaging culture at all. We go to one side or the other. But here's where the gospel can transform us and then culture. Because from the beginning of our divisions and schisms, God has always been about welcoming the stranger into his family. He does this how? He does this by asking his people, that would be us today, the church, to make room for the stranger in our lives. Why? Because he created us to be a people, not a singular person. His people who love, serve, and uphold one another. He created us to live and dwell in safety and security within the context of his spiritual family. And without him, the reality is, is we're all strangers to the family. So as to those, as those who are not of this world, but being sent into this world to interact, to love, to live, to enjoy, as those who are living this way, there has to be a way that we transform culture to a community of faith instead of a community of fear, to a community of faith instead of a community of fake. Or the third one that I think battles, a community of faith instead of a community of me, of self-absorption. It's all about me because I think those are the three things and there's probably way more that fight against us transforming culture to be one that is hospitable the way that God intends for us to love the stranger. I believe the the reality of being either fear-filled or fake or self-absorbed are the things that fight us the most. I would call self-absorption the culture of me. This is where every relationship is about what somebody can do for me. Strategic networking at its best. It becomes all about who you know in order to make you better known. However, biblical hospitality does not seek to impress or to create obligation on another. It doesn't step on to move up. It bends and stoops low to serve. Hospitality seeks to serve with no strings attached. I'm not doing this out of what I can get for it. To that point, we look to God's word again and again, and then we see if there's a better way to understand what biblical hospitality is and how it should and could change and transform the culture around us if we would live as those who have been welcomed in. First of all, as I said a moment ago, it's always been God's plan to give his people home from the beginning it was always about God giving his people a safe place to worship and to glorify his name that was the purpose and then even after sin and the fall everything in redemptive history has been God trying to give us a place so that we could worship and glorify him freely and make him known throughout the world so we see this principle of hospitality or welcoming the stranger throughout the bible Foundationally, I want to start, if you have your Bible, you could turn to the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 19. Good old Leviticus, place we all love to preach from. But it has some amazing instruction. Leviticus 19, verse 33 through 34, and we see the love in the heart of God. 
It says this, when a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you were aliens in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Let's start here. Do you see the motivation for being hospitable to the stranger in these passages of Scripture? It occurs at the very end. I am the Lord your God. That's why you're hospitable. As Christians, we're supposed to be a people who remember correctly, and in this case, God is saying, remember, I am Yahweh. I am the Lord your God who came to your rescue when you were strangers, when you were aliens in a foreign land, and it wasn't safe. And you know what I did? God is telling them to remember how he had a home for them, a promised land for them, a safe place for them to be able to worship God freely and make him known. And he made sure that with all of his power that they were going to get home so God is communicating since you are my people I am your God you're going to love the stranger like I loved you I want you to look like me I want you to reflect my glory I want you to value what I value I want you to love what I love I am the Lord your God so let's fast forward now to the New Testament in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, and we'll see God's exhortation again to us as it relates to biblical hospitality. Verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. If you're an underliner or a highlighter in your Bible, you can underline that word practice. Practice hospitality. You know what that means? It means hospitality isn't convenient it's continual. Practice there actually means continuously pursue. The word means to pursue. It doesn't mean we'll practice it when you get a chance or if it happens to fall into your lap. That word practice might as well be pursue. And it's a continuous verb, if you will. Continually practice, pursue hospitality. Our culture gives us, if you think about it, our culture gives us seasonal reasons and ways to do hospitality, right? Thanksgiving, Christmas, and great, leverage them, use them. But the word practice means pursue and beyond just the holiday, meaning we are actively looking for opportunities to welcome people into our homes, literally, and into our lives in order to bless and love them. What about 1 Peter 4, 8, and 9? Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Man, I'm going to have to love somebody deeply to let them in my house. Okay. Verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay, we just took it to another level. Like, it's, it, can it get any harder? Y'all just thought it was going to be being born in the South and you, somehow it made you hospitable. No. Some of the rudest people I've ever met live around here. And I could be one of them at times. <laughs> this addresses another aspect of biblical or true hospitality, which is 
conversely, not the same as just hospitality in the world. This is meaning how we do it. Not just that we do it, but how we do it. What's going on in our hearts when we do it? And it's just as important what's going on in our hearts than what we're doing on the outside and how great it looks. Because we can do the hospitable thing and make it look great and and, and it be magazine cover worthy and we can have a terrible heart and attitude about it at the same time. Or, here's another thing we can do, we can do it and it can look great and it can be all about me. I'm having you over, but it's really about me and the connections that I can make or to make myself feel good about myself because I opened up my house and did something hospitable and I'm just that good guy. Ultimately, our hospitality is supposed to be an extension of our God. That's why God said, remember, I am the Lord your God. It's an extension of our God to those he has called or that he has calling to himself. We're extending grace the way God extended grace to us. And as we've already stated, one of the distinctives of Christian hospitality versus just normal hospitality is that we extend invitations to the stranger as well as to our friends. It's not just the people that we know and like that we extend this hospitality to. It's strangers. We're seeking not only to deepen fellowship with those that we do know, but we're also seeking to draw people into the light of Christian community that don't know Jesus. We extend invitations to people who are unable to reciprocate. Hospitality is part of giving, expecting nothing in return from the people who receive the sacrifice of your service. Okay, well, Pastor Brent, that seems very philanthropic, very ethical, but what does it have to do with the gospel? What does it have to do with God? What does it have to do with transforming culture for the glory of God? And mainly the way that this transformed culture is because it's not normal. Like, this isn't normal. Our culture is increasingly isolated, divided, and hostile towards anybody that they're not familiar with or have some kind of affinity to or known or have some similarity with us. If, if we don't have that connection, then we're usually suspicious or, or we're divided or at worst we're hostile. Unless they have the same sport team on their t-shirt, then you act like you've known them since they were five. I get the gas station, yeah, go dogs. I don't know you. Want to come over? We're barbecuing. This is how, y'all acting like y'all have never done that or somebody's never done that to you. No, I just got my AirPods in and my hoodie on and walk around like this. And that's the difference. That's, that's, our, that's our dichotomies, if you will. Here's the difference between biblical hospitality. It's welcoming, it's constant, and it's without complaining. That's why it's different than just hospitality in the world. So guess what happens when we actually do this for others, particularly those that we don't know that are maybe different than us and maybe have a lot of different things that, they go, that are going on in their life that's nothing like our lives, you know what happens when we're welcoming to people like that by God's grace? It's noticeable. It's obvious. You see, the force of culture is pulling us hard towards saying, you need to look out for yourself. You need to do this for yourself. Who has time to offer hospitality to people? Who has time for other people's problems? What's this going to do for you? How's this going to help you out? How's this going to make you get advanced in the world? And the most culturally normal thing we can do is actually neglect hospitality. It's by far the path of least resistance. Entertaining myself is far easier than entertaining people that I don't know. 
ahead and get amen on that. But you're going to watch the game by yourself today. It's way less complicated than being inconvenienced to love somebody that I don't know and lay aside my selfishness for them. That's easy. All we have to do is yield to the natural pull of a self-centered life, and the result will be a life so full of myself that there is no room for anybody else, and there is no room for hospitality. We'll forget about it. We'll neglect it. We'll fall into an easy rhythm of it not being a part of our lives at all. And here's what Scripture is saying. Here's what Paul is saying in Hebrews. No, no. Don't do that. Don't let that happen. Remember, you were once a stranger, and God opened up his arms to you through Jesus Christ to make you a part of his family. And in a culture that says extend hospitality only if it's convenient or only if it helps you make a strategic connection, biblical hospitality says do it when it's inconvenient and absolutely of no benefit to you whatsoever. Man, that's hard. This is the epitome of grace in many ways, though, if you think about it. When we're reflecting God, because Jesus made a way for us to be welcomed home when it was way more than inconvenient for him. And when we were unable to do anything to help him or be a benefit to him, he opened up his arms to us, the stranger. It was a selfless act because we had nothing to offer. The ultimate act of hospitality is when Jesus Christ died for sinners like me and like you in order to make everybody who believes in him a member of his household, a safe place within his arms in the family of God. He welcomes you home and we're no longer strangers, but we become friends and family. Everybody who trusts in Jesus finds a home in God. And why did God do it? Well, he sent his son to die so that sinners could have hospitality in heaven. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. I was talking to a friend this week about the doctrine of adoption even. And as an adoptive parent myself, Carla and I, and some of you in this room, you should be able to understand what it means to open up your house to a stranger. To love them as though they are a part of your family for the sake of the gospel. For the sake of being obedient to the Father, to open up our arms to someone who is a stranger. And we are now saying that you are not just a stranger anymore, but you are safe in this home and you are family. You see, Jesus did it for us. God did it for us for the praise of the glory of his grace. And this is what I'm saying. This is why I started with the Old Testament. It was the same reason that he rescued unworthy strangers in Egypt in the Old Testament for his own glory. And it's the same reason that he rescues unworthy strangers today through the cross of Jesus Christ. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. The ultimate gift of hospitality. The ultimate foundation of Christian hospitality is God's unwavering commitment to glorify the all-sufficiency of his amazing grace towards sinners. Church, God has poured out his grace on us 
so that we can open up our arms to others as an example of how Jesus has opened up his arms for them to be a part of his family. When we practice hospitality, I believe God's power conquers our fears and it overcomes our self-centeredness. Two things that cripple us many times. And what could be greater than the joy of experiencing the liberating power of God's hospitality, making us new and radically different kind of people who love to reflect the glory of God's grace as we extend hospitality to others that God has called us to. Now, practically, I'm not going to tell you to go home and open up a hostel or an Airbnb at your house today. That's not what I'm saying. You could. But biblically speaking, I want us as discerning believers to be ready to extend hospitality to strangers at any given time, as well as pursue those opportunities for the glory of God's grace. There are culturally transformative ways for us to welcome strangers into the body of Christ. Yes, individually as our homes. Well, Pastor Brent, you haven't seen my house. Well, I mean, kick the toys up underneath the couch and, you know, do a little foot sweeping on the way in and invite somebody over. Does it have to be perfect? You're not perfect. So why does your house have to be? This is not just something we do at home, though. This is something we do here as a church. And can I just take a moment to say that we should be the most hospitable people to any and all who would come looking for a safe place. Hospitality is the heart of God that is tangible when people experience it. They feel it. And it's something that we should exhibit as a church body. God has always been about making strangers and aliens citizens and family. That's what he's always been about, and he still is. And the church body then is a witness to the culture that God is brilliant and God is amazing. I mean, we, when we're walking in unity, is a, the church is a massive flex against the culture that says that we're to be divided. We're united people who are formerly divided, and we are so because of no merit on our own and no merit on the new person and no merit on the stranger whatsoever. It's because we were all at one time strangers, and we understand what it means to be welcomed home by Jesus. You get welcomed into this family because of grace. No matter your background, your ethnicity, or your past sins, or your current failures, We are the answer for the loneliness that's killing people. We are the answer to the family that the stranger desperately needs. We are the answer to a taste of home that is coming one day in Christ in heaven forever. We transform culture by welcoming any and all who would come to be a part of the family of God, no matter what they look like at that moment, no matter what it might feel like, no matter if it's a little bit awkward or whatever the case may be. This is a place where we go from strangers to friends to family through the blood of Jesus Christ. In closing today, from a practical standpoint, I'm not telling you to be unwise or foolish. But I will say that we often use those as good excuses not to step out in faith. 
I don't know, this seems a little bit foolish. Well, is God leading you there? Is there a confirmation of his spirit? Is it lining up with his word? Well, then step out in faith and trust that God is good and he's making connections with those that he's calling out of darkness or those that are following him that need encouragement and help. Faith by its very nature is trusting God beyond the ability to see the end or the outcome of every decision we make. And guess what? We're not promised that every decision that we make by faith doesn't turn out in something that's difficult. So what is our faithful response today? By faith, we can transform the world around us by opening our hearts, our lives, our physical homes, and our church to those who need a place that is safe, that is secure, that provides for the basic needs, and that offers the grace and the love of Christ that has been poured out to us, the good news of the gospel. If you'll open your arms wide, I promise you God will fill them with people to embrace. If you'll open your arms wide, trusting in a faithful God, he will fill your arms with people to embrace. Now, here's one thing that I'll encourage you, and then we'll pray. And we're going to sing. We're going to sing about how a little fire can be fanned into a flame. And this is part of this, as we begin to be the church that God's called us to be, that if, if Hearing a message like this doesn't cause you to want to lean into God a little bit more, to be more discerning, and to lean more into the Holy Spirit, to be more empowering, then I fear for you. Like, after I was preparing this, I'm thinking to myself, man, to know if this is where I'm step, to step out in faith, to know if this is a, a relationship that I'm interact with, to know if this is a person in the post office I'm supposed to tell that I, that I like their legs, no, that wouldn't be the Spirit of God. To know... When those moments are, I mean, I am dependent. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit to help us. And so maybe that's the cry of our hearts today, church. God, Holy Spirit, fill us. Help us to see with your eyes and to love who you love, to value who you value, and to open our arms wide to all those who need a place to feel safe and to feel secure and to find a home. Because this is it. You are home. Let's pray that we can be that place. We can be that people that transforms the culture around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just asking today that you would bring us to this place of trusting in you to be those who welcome the stranger. Yes, it could be somebody who we know and it could be opening our homes up to someone we know that we want to get to know better and you're leading us to do that. It could be opening up our hearts and lives to, to people that we don't know all that well, but we feel, Father, that you're drawing us to do so, to reach out to them, not for what it can do for me, but what you're telling me to serve and to do for them out of a love for them. It could be a total stranger, God, that you are doing something in their life and you need us minister the grace and the love of Christ to them. Lord, I am just praying, yes, for wisdom, yes, for prudence, yes, Father, for us to be, as your scripture says, wise as serpents and gentle as lambs. 
And God, I'm praying by your spirit that you would fill us today, Holy Spirit, so that we could discern rightly those areas to take steps of faith for the sake of the gospel and seeing lives in the culture around us transformed, that we would be the most welcoming, open-armed people in this community because of what you have done for us on the cross as our Savior and Lord, welcoming us into your family. And Lord, that it just takes a little bit, as we'll sing in just a moment, it just takes a little bit, God, a little bit of us obeying and and walking by faith and not by sight and loving what you love and loving who you love to see something change and transform at a great degree. God, would you do that in us? Thank you for listening to the In Focus Church podcast with Pastor Brent Gerard. In Focus Church is a multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Evans, Georgia, with a mission to love God, love people, and reach the world. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a rating wherever you are listening, and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at In Focus Church.